with us on today. In fact, we're happy to be back on the air. We were off for just a moment due to tragedy that struck our show producers. And of course, we keep them and their families and our prayers, and we pray that all is well with them. We know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask for. Things. So we're just thankful to be back, and again, thankful to have all of you. Our show topic for today is Faith Over Fact. Again, that faith over fact. Sometimes we get caught up in the quote-unquote reality of things, and we're not necessarily seeking faith or walking in faith, but we're going to kind of talk through that on today. We're going to be coming from the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Of course, this is a very familiar passage of scripture for most of you. Again, that's Hebrews, the 11th chapter. But before we begin to go there, we are going to call for a moment of prayer. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you now, God, for our many blessings. We thank you, God, for watching over us and for keeping us. We thank you, God, for all that you are doing in us and through us. We ask you now, God, to move by your spirit. We pray, God, that you would have your way on today. God, we pray that you lift up our down heads and encourage the hearts of your people. We pray now, God, that this word would penetrate our hearts and lift us, God. We pray, God, that this word would empower us to to walk up right before you. God, is a standing faith, even in adversity. God, we glorify you. We just thank you for all that you've already done. And we say now, God, have your way. It is in Jesus' name that we ask these blessings, and we thank you in advance by faith. Amen. Amen. Again, if you have your Bible, if you would go with us to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, we're going to talk about faith over that. Amen. 
11th chapter, beginning at verse 1, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the world is framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. The word of the Lord is already blessed. We know that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Lord will not pass away. So we thank God on this morning for his word. Amen. One of the things that has happened recently to the Christian mentality is this thought of keeping it real. We say, well, I'm just being honest. Well, the truth is, it's not being honest to always talk about negative things or to adopt the natural world system of what reality truly is. So today I'm going to share five points. Now we're also going to talk about how to reap your harvest because sometimes we have seeds in the ground and we don't know how to get them. So we're going to talk through that as it pertains to faith as well. Now, the Bible that I read tells me that God's word is truth. So, therefore, it doesn't matter what it looks like, and it doesn't matter what it feels like. The truth for me, as it should be for all Christians, is whatever God says about the situation. So then my first responsibility as a Christian is to know what that is. My second responsibility is to remember that I'm in this world, but as a Christian, I'm not of this world. My third responsibility is remembering there is power in what I say. I'm in control of that and no one else. My fourth responsibility is to avoid those people and situations that may weaken my testimony. Lastly, we'll discuss what truth and faith is because it's not about what it looks like to the natural eye. My reality is God's word. The first thing we have to do is learn the word of God for every situation in our lives. Because the truth is, and in this life, we're going, going to go through things and we're going to have to deal with some things. In Second Timothy, the third chapter, verses 14 through 17, the Bible says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in and strength in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what the Bible does for us. It equips us for every good work. It equips us for everything that we may or may not have to deal with. It equips us to be prepared and to be ye also ready. 
So we have to know again, whatever the word says about my situation. So here it is. Timothy was, was being trained by Paul as he was a young preacher. But he told him, you have to go back and continue in what you've learned. And that's one of the mistakes that we often make is we learn to do the right thing, but somehow in some way we get away from it. We learn to say the right thing, but somewhere along the way, we kind of detour and go in another direction. But when you know the word, you've learned the word, even from when you were a child, you have to make sure that you apply the scripture because it is inspired by God. And he knows well before we do what it is that we're going to have to face along this journey. So therefore, you have to get into this God-inspired word to be prepared for everything that's along your way. Next, we have to remember who we are. If you remember that you're not of this world and you're just in it, then according to John 17 and 1, then you'll say, well, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world. Don't you know they don't like you? The people of the world don't like you. It goes on to say, just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, this is Jesus speaking. And he goes on to pray and ask the Lord to sanctify us by his truth, because God's word is truth. He says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So remember, some of those friends that you're consulting, some of those folks that you're talking to, if they're not spirit-filled people, if they're not also Christians, then they're not going to always give you advice according to Scripture. And so because you are not of this same world, a lot of the things that they may try to tell you to do do not apply to you. So you have to know what the word says about your situation. Remember, Jesus himself said, you're not of the world just like he's not. But we are sanctified by the truth. We are separated and set apart by the word of God. We are sanctified and set apart by Jesus. So when you know the word and you know that you're different and you know also, that certain things do not apply to you. So don't take the worldly way on for all of your situations and all of your circumstances. Don't go that route. But you do what the word of God says, and you be encouraged by the word of God because you know that his word is true. Next, remember that there is power in your word. Proverbs. 18 and 21 is also a very familiar passage of scripture. And it lets us know that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Don't you know that our words are seeds? Do you know that what we say is what we sow? Since you know that there's power in your tongue, that means that we have to be intentional about speaking the word of God because that's the seed that we want to sow. That's the seed that we want to see grow up. That's the seed that we want to see manifested in our lives. 
So if everything that we do is a seed and you know that you reap what you sow, then you have to remember to use your words wisely. Don't speak damnation upon yourself. Don't speak damnation upon your marriage, your husband, your children. Don't speak damnation as it refers to your finances, your health. But you speak the word of God. You say what is so, and that is the word of God. Galatians 6 and 7 lets us know, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This concept is that you reap what you sow, and so therefore it applies to what you say, because you sow your words. This concept lets us know that future consequences are inevitably shaped by your present actions. What you do now is what you're sowing into your future. What you do with your children now is what you're sowing into their future and yours. In layman's terms, if you lie, you'll be lied to. If you cheat, you will be cheated on. If you steal, somebody is going to steal from you. It's simple. Bad seeds produce bad fruit. Now, this doesn't just apply to negative things because the law of reaping and sowing applies to everybody. It also says that what you give, others will give back to you. If you treat people well, others will treat you well. And the laws don't change just because we decide that we don't want to do them. Or if you don't like them, it would be the same situation if you were driving in your car and you decide to go through a red light. Well, the law didn't change just because you decided not to do it. If you go through a, a red light, the likelihood is you're going to be pulled over and you're going to be ticketed. In some places, there are cameras that are hanging up. So if you go through the red light, you may feel like right then nothing is going to happen. But then all of a sudden, you get that mail with that ticket and that picture of you going through that red light. The law didn't change just because you decided not to do it. The consequences may have been delayed, just like sowing seeds. It may have been delayed, oh, but it's still going to happen. There are still going to be consequences when we don't obey laws. So it's the same thing with the the word of God. Very clear that whatever it is that we sow is what we will reap. So I don't know about you, but my intentions are to sow what I want to see. If I want tomatoes in my garden, then I'm going to sow tomato seeds. If I want watermelons in my garden, then I'm sowing watermelon seeds. I'd be a fool to sow tomatoes and watermelons and then go outside looking for peaches and apples. Well, guess what? We do the same thing with our words. Oftentimes, we say one thing and then we go looking for something else. That's not how it works. You need to make sure that whatever it is you sow, you realize is what you're going to reap. So use that for your benefit. If I want to see good things, I'm going to continue to sow good things into the lives of others. I'm going to continue to sow good things with my words. I'm going to continue to sow good things with my hands and every work that I do because I want to make sure 
that I am in charge of what comes back to me. Amen? Amen. Now ask yourself, what kinds of thoughts dominate your mind every day? Do you know that negative thoughts lead to negative communication, which in turn leads to negative actions? You manifest to the outside world that which is inside you. This was a simple principle shared by Jesus in Luke 6 and 45. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So when I hear you speak just for a short while, even when you meet people, they don't have to say a whole lot. But normally you can tell the kind of seed that's been sown in that person. You can tell the kind of person that they are. Do you know that when your life is out of sync with God's word, it means that you've been corrupted? It means that somewhere some seeds were sown into you along the way that were not a part of God's plan for your life. It's as if you've been contaminated. But do you know that when things happen to us in life, when we have heartbreaks, breakups, breakdowns, any of the things that can happen to us in life, then those things plant a seed in us. And we have to go back to the word of God so that we can ensure to put more and more of the word of God in us, more and more of the fruit of the spirit, more and more of the love of God, because that is the incorruptible seed. See, those seeds of the word are incorruptible. Now, we may sow in our lifetime into some things that are not godly, but you have to think about what's going to get rid of it. How do you get that stuff removed? How do you get that stuff out of you? You get it out with God's word because that is the incorruptible seed. This is the word out of which you were born again. This is the word out of which you received Christ as your Lord. First Peter 1 and 23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God is not going anywhere. The word of God will stand. That's what we need to ensure that the proper seeds are sown in our life. The word of God is the seed that you need because it is incorruptible. When you have more and more of it, then you won't harvest corruption. Those ugly things that are in you won't keep coming out. But the word of God will begin to take over and you'll be filled with the word, you'll be filled with light and life. You'll be more Christ-like. That's what a Christian is all about. It won't be corrupted by the thinking of the world when you're filled with God's word. So it's important that you feed that seed, water that seed. Water that seed of the word of God in your life. And as it flourishes and as it grows, it will continue to provide exactly what you need. 
you'll see the fruit manifested on the outside. Life is all about sowing and reaping. And it's all about seeds. What kind of seeds are you sowing? If your life is like a field or a garden, and every day you're sowing seeds into that field, whether you realize it or not, your thoughts are seeds, your words are seeds, whatever becomes of your life, what becomes of you is first sowed into your mind and into your heart. So if you want to see changes, we've got to sow the right seeds, people of God. If you like what you see and you want more of it, continue to sow the good seeds. So whether it's financial, spiritual, behavioral, you can have whatever you want. You just have to sow the right seed and then keep it fed. Help it to flourish. Help it to grow. One of the ways that you do that is to avoid people, places, and things that could threaten your faith. Yes, avoid those now. Anything that could corrupt your testimony, anything that could corrupt your walk with God. You have to watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Matthew 26 and 41 lets us know the spirit is willing, but the body or your flesh is weak. We don't want to fall into temptation. You don't have to keep going out there, going to all the wrong places and thinking that you can just go into these places all the time and it doesn't corrupt you. You can't keep going into the nightclub and it doesn't change you in some way, shape, or form. You can't be going to hang out at the pool hall and thinking that it's not going to change you in some way, shape, or form. You can't go hanging out at the strip club and saying, but I'm still a Christian. Don't think that it's not going to change you in some way, shape, or form. Your spirit might be willing, but your body, your flesh is weak. It will corrupt you. Stop fooling yourself. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We've got to put on the whole armor of God so that we're able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is scripture. You have to know that you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you are able to stand in the evil day. And after having done all of that, you've got to still stand. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Keep on your helmet of salvation. You've got to keep your armor on. Because you can't do this by yourself. You've got to stay protected. It's the armor of God that keeps you protected. It's the armor of God that keeps you covered. And a part of that armor is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We still have to go back to the word. We still have to go back to how we're being fed. We still have to go back to what it is that we allow to flourish and to grow. 
that includes our conversations. That includes who's hanging out with you. That includes going back, looking at that picture of your old boot, and it's supposed to be over. You've moved on and gotten married. That includes even going to our favorite restaurant. Ooh, we used to go here when we were together, but you're supposed to have moved on to someone else, and you're still reminiscing about the restaurants that you used to go to with your old boyfriend or your old girlfriend. You better stop planting those seeds in your mind. Because your mind will take you somewhere that your body will end up wanting to go. Stop answering those late night phone calls. Mm -mm, We don't have anything to talk about. And no, we can't just be friends. Because you already know they were lying when they said it. What you need to be friends for? Stop allowing yourself to fall back into those old thoughts. Because eventually you'll be going back to do those old things. You have to move away from those things. No, I'm not coming to your house. No, you can't come to mine. No, I don't need you to check on my kids. No. Just say no. Because if you don't, those seeds will be planted in you over and over again. And eventually, if you don't snuff them out, they will grow. So you make sure that you keep your mind right. You make sure that you keep your thoughts on God. You make sure that you keep your head clear and focused on what it is that God has you doing right now on your journey. You make sure that you don't allow that old stuff to trickle back in. Because the enemy will try you. And remember, you're not dealing with flesh and blood. You you think you're dealing with Jim Bob. You think you're dealing with Felicia. You better learn how to say bye to Felicia. And Jim Bob is up to no good. Jim Jim Bob just wants to know if he can get you back. That's what he wants to know. So stop playing games. Stop fooling yourself. Stop thinking you can still go to those old places. Stop thinking you can still hang out at the club every weekend. It's going to contaminate you. It's going to corrupt you. And you have to ensure that you snuff out those seeds and stop replanting them over and over and over again. We're talking about faith over fact. Not about what you can see. And then lastly, faith by itself is a substance. So then first, we need to know what a substance is. The word substance is defined as material that has a tangible, solid presence. So, if we review this slowly, faith is tangible. Faith is a solid matter. It's not a wish. It's not a positive thought. And it's not a dream. So faith is something tangible that's hoped for and the evidence or the proof or the sign, the signal or the indication of the things that you can't even see with your natural eyes yet. 
So if you're operating in faith over fact, then we realize it's important that we call in the substance that we want to see by faith. So you can call in your unsaved children and sow seeds and sow words and say, my children are saved in Jesus' name. You can call in your health and say, I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm whole in Jesus' name. Call it what you want it to be. Some of you are waiting on some things. Call in your job in Jesus' name. See it in the spirit realm and then pull it down into the natural by faith. Because faith itself, remember, is a substance. So pull it in. Call it in. Call in your children. Call in your finances. Call in your health in Jesus' name. Because speaking faith by itself is already evident. We just haven't seen it in the natural yet. The evidence, the proof, the sign is already there. You just can't see it in the natural yet. Call it what it is. It is so in Jesus' name. It is so according to the word of God. It is so because I have faith and I believe God. I trust God. I trust God's word. I'm standing on God's word. And that's what you have. That is your substance. That is what's tangible. That is what's solid matter. Remember, it's not a wish or a dream. You see it in the spirit realm and pull it into your natural realm. My son is healed in Jesus' name. My finances have multiplied a hundredfold in Jesus' name. I am debt-free in Jesus' name. My house is paid for in full in Jesus' name. My church is full in Jesus' name. My entire family is saved in Jesus' name because I have the faith to call it into existence. If you are listening right now, you better begin to call some things into existence that you want to see. You better begin to stand on the word of God and believe God because his word is true. Don't worry about what it looks like in the natural. You call it in by the spirit. And it is so. It is tangible. Because the word of God says so. But now some of us need to know how to call in our harvest. Many of us have a harvest out there. Many of us have been planting seeds. But some of you are saying, well, I don't know, preacher, because I, I haven't seen them yet. Well, you don't stop calling it in. You don't stop speaking it. But you also don't stop doing the work. If you want to see a harvest, you've got to sow the seed for your harvest. Some of you have not even begun to sow yet. You don't know which direction to go. But if you're listening right now and you want to begin to see a harvest, I'm telling you, by faith, sow seed for your harvest. Now, remember, the scripture says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So if you want money, you need to sow some money. If you want love, you need to sow love. 
You can't be walking around with your face all sour, talking about nobody loves me. Well, what did you sow? Are you sowing love into other people? And then remember, when you plant, you have to plant in good ground. Throwing your seed on top of rock is not productive. It won't produce a harvest. Throwing your seeds into the water won't produce a harvest. There has to be a balance. Seeds have got to be sown into good ground. If you are desiring a harvest in your life, then one thing is sure. You cannot reap if you do not sow. The devil has tricked so many Christians into believing that they can't afford to even sow financially or otherwise. And he works overtime trying to keep you in fear about giving away your resources. Why? Because he knows how much you stand to gain in both the natural and the spiritual realm. If you begin to stop being afraid and just sow in faith, the enemy knows you're going to gain something from it. So he's going to keep tricking you. But you've got to stop falling for the okie doke. You've got to stop falling for the foolishness. you got to stop falling for Folks, they tell you, oh, you know, the preacher just wants your money. Do you know a lot of preachers don't get a dime? It's not about the money. It's about us obeying and doing what God has called us to do. But you let the devil fool you because the preacher showed up in a BMW. Guess what? Many of us already had the cars when we got there. Stop letting the enemy trick you because you're looking in the natural realm. Stop letting the enemy fool you, thinking that somebody is out to get you. No, it's a trick. Stop it now. Nobody's getting rich off them, them twos and fuse that you're putting in. And nobody wants to. People are not out to get you. But you've got to sow seed. You have to obey God and pay your tithe. You can't keep talking to God about blessing your finances and you have not put your seed in the ground. Stop being fools. It's some folks sitting up right now wishing for love, wishing for a mate. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Are you preparing your house, women? Are you preparing your mind? Have you healed from your last relationship? Brothers, are you financially stable? Are you emotionally stable? Are you following God? Because a woman ain't got to follow you if you're not following God. What kind of seeds are you sowing? What are you putting into the ground in preparation for what it is that you say you want? You have got to sow if you want to reap. Stop letting the devil fool you and tell you, oh, no, uh-uh, don't, don't show nobody love. Don't love nobody because you just don't get hurt again. Oh, no, don't put your money in that church. They over there trying to spend it up. That preacher getting rich. No, we trying to keep the heat on because y'all will be mad if you come in there and it's cold. See, there is a business side of ministry, too. The heat has to stay on or you won't even come back. You're not going to sit in there in your coat. If you come in and the lights are out, you're going to think something is strange. That's where the money goes. Nobody's getting rich off of you. Stop letting the devil fool you. Stop letting the devil trick you. We want to see you blessed. So that's why we talk about sowing and reaping. That's why we talk about giving and reaping a harvest. 
Because when it's good ground, you can sow there. And you ain't got to worry about what nobody's doing in the back room. All you know is you put the word on your seed. You sow your seed and trust God. That's all you got to do. Stop letting the devil fool you. Jesus said in Luke 6 and 38 that if you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, taken together to make more room. Running over and pour into your lap. That's what I want. That's the kind of blessing I want. So I continue to give. I continue to sow, not just into my ministry, but into other ministries. Because I believe God's word. And if I need more, I sow more. I give more. I do more. That's what you do when you want to see a harvest. And that's a powerful truth. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to participate in sowing. Because you can sow your way out of debt. You can sow yourself debt free. Did you know that? And he doesn't want that for you. He wants you to continue to be the borrower and not the lender. And that's not what God said. God says that we should be the lender and not the borrower. But see, Satan has got you bamboo. That's why he doesn't want you to sow, because he doesn't want you to be debt free. He doesn't want you to live this full, happy life. In fact, he'd prefer that you forget all about it altogether. But if you do, that will be to your own detriment. Because in Genesis 8 and 22, it is promised that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. So it's not going away. It's not going to change. Seed time and harvest is not going away. So while I'm here, I'm going to sow my seed. While I'm here, I'm going to be a blessing to others. While I'm here, I'm going to give. Because seed time and harvest is not going away. Because I've got some things that I need to see come in. So the second thing that we need to do, if we want to see a harvest, if we're trying to call in a harvest, is to get aggressive about reaping your harvest. In Matthew 11 and 12, the Bible says, And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force. As a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with more ardent zeal and intense exertion. Where is your zeal about reaping your harvest? Where is your excitement? A common misconception about the principles of sowing and reaping is that we sow the seed and we wait for God to do the reaping for us. But when we do this, we miss a really important part that we're supposed to play. You got to do some work. Where's your excitement? Where's your joy when you're giving? Where's your joy when you're sowing seed? We ought to be dancing all the way up to the altar when it's giving time. Because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because we, he knows that if we're cheerful, we're trusting him. If we're cheerful when we give, we're standing on his word. 
and he deserves the praise, honor, and glory because this all comes from him. So don't lose your zeal. We do the work. But we have to know that when we sow the seed, it's God that gives the increase. So we have to reap or gather the harvest. In other words, you got to be a sower and a mower. Take care of your garden. But do it with joy. Don't go out there and just let the enemy come in and take over. Don't go out there and let something or someone dig up your garden, digging up something you have in the ground. You got to sow the seed, but then you got to mow it. Take care of it. And to do so, you have to be aggressive. You've got to get up every day with your mind focused on trusting God. Get up every day with your words speaking toward the seed that you expect to see. You can't just leave your harvest out there in the field somewhere because it'll rot. There's work to do. So purpose in your mind today to become aggressive about harvesting. Don't you leave anything on the table for the enemy to steal. It belongs to you. It's already yours, but you got to go out there and get it. You have to know that every seed that you have ever planted is available if you haven't reached it yet. So again, don't think just because you don't see it right now, nothing is going to happen. That is not the case. If you planted it, it's out there, but you got to call it in. You got to do the work. You got to water your garden. You got to go out there and mow and keep the weeds out the way. The third thing that you have to do when you're looking for a harvest is don't give up. Do not give up on your seed. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. But I'm standing on faith. I don't care what the doctor said, but I'm standing on faith. I don't care what the report said, but I'm standing on faith. I don't even care what the judge says. I'm standing on faith. You have to know Galatians 6 and 9, which says, so let us not get tired in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Your harvest is coming. Your blessings are coming in. But you can't give up. It's the trick of the enemy to make, to make you want to walk away where you've already sowed seeds. Remember I told you, he don't want you to have it. He wants you to give up and walk away. He wants you to leave your blessings on the table. So don't you get tired. Don't you give in and don't you give out. But in due season, you're going to reap. In due season, your blessing is coming to pass. In due season, you're going to get everything that God has promised you from every seed that you've sown, because he's faithful. And I know that waiting is hard. Sometimes we're very impatient. The waiting process is the toughest part of sowing. You sow your seed, and then there's silence. And in your mind, you're asking yourself, well, how can I be sure that my harvest is coming? Well, a lot is dependent on how you wait. 
if you sow your seed in faith, you'll expect it to grow. And you'll keep expecting, no matter how long it takes. Keep your words in check. Keep your actions in check. Make sure that your words match your faith. Don't say one thing today and then something else tomorrow. I will be saying to myself, I'm expecting miracles. I'm expecting a record-breaking harvest. I'm expecting exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask for things. I'm expecting my cup to run over. I'm expecting to be more than filled. I'm expecting to have so much I can be a blessing to others. What are you expecting? Ask yourself. Get your words in check. And then once your words are aligned with the word of God, you have to refuse to surrender for any reason. Refuse to give up. Refuse to go back. If you give up at any point in the process, you'll jeopardize your harvest. If you allow yourself to become weary or to give up, or to forfeit what you've waited so long to receive. You've wasted your time and energy. Do not give up. Your time is coming. Do not give up. Instead, you hold on to what God has said about the return on your seed. You hold on to the word of God. Because you have to remember that harvest only comes in the right season. But as long as you stay the course, you're guaranteed to reap from what you have sown. So whether you're waiting on a financial harvest, a breakthrough in a relationship, whether you're waiting on healing or restoration, maybe you just need healing of the mind, not just healing of your body, whatever it is, if your harvest is taking longer than you anticipated, you have to hold on to God's word and his promises because his word is just an amen. God keeps his promises. He's not like us. You just hold on. Don't you know that God remembers every seed you've ever sown? So don't get right there to the finish line and then want to give up. Your harvest is coming. Yes, you. Your harvest is coming. It is on the way. But don't you give up. You're too close now. You are right there at the finish line. I know that you've sown. I know that you've given. I know that in your mind you're thinking you want to give up. Do not give up. Don't give out. Don't turn back. Hold on to your faith. Hold on. Let me tell you what else you need to do. You need to keep the weeds out of your harvest. Those weeds of doubt. Those weeds of fear. In Genesis 2 and 15, the Bible says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. The word translated, keep in the Hebrew, means to put a hedge of thorns around it, to watch over it, to guard it, to protect it, to safeguard it. 
So when a farmer plants seed in the garden, he doesn't just walk away and hope and wish. I hope nobody bothers my garden. No, that's not how this works. No, he has much to do to protect his crop. There is work to do. He has to protect what he's planted. He's got to keep those weeds out because those weeds will poke out what it is that he's expecting to see. So ask yourself, what can choke out your crop? One thing for sure is if you walk outside of love, we have to continue to walk in love, people of God. There are some works of the flesh that hinder us big time. And this includes unforgiveness, bitterness, strife. Some of us have some stuff from our past that we've just got to let go. So keep a watch on your heart. Pull those weeds out by the roots. Don't just cut them down. You pull those weeds of doubt out by the roots. When they come up, you spray them with the word of God. You cast them out with the help of the Holy Spirit. You've got to get rid of them. Get rid of those weeds of sorrow. You always depressed. Always down. Always sad. Those weeds of laziness, get rid of them. They don't have any place in your garden. And again, don't just cut them down. You dig them up by the roots. The fifth thing you need to do when expecting a harvest is to water the seed of your harvest. A farmer would never think of planting a field of seeds and then neglect to water it. It would be the death of his crop. Well, the same is true of the seeds that we sow. It needs to be watered, but with what? You need to water it with praise and thanksgiving, the language of faith. Throughout the Bible, we see praise and thanksgiving associated with resulting harvest. Praise God and thank him in advance for what he's getting ready to do. Praise him and thank him in advance for your harvest. Praise him and thank him in advance for above, exceedingly, abundantly, more than. Thank God that this is your best crop yet. Praise him in advance. Thank him for a hundredfold return. Thank him for multiplying what it is that you need. Number six, you got to put in the sickle for your harvest. In Mark 4 and 29, the Bible says, but when the grain is ripe and permits, immediately he sends forth the reapers and puts in the sickle because the harvest stands ready. This demonstrates our role in reaping the harvest. To gather and collect our bountiful harvest, we've got to put in the sickle. Well, you want to know now then what is a sickle? It's a sharp instrument used for cutting crops during a harvest. Our sickle is the word of God coming out of our mouths. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. That's your sickle. You apply the word. That's how you bring in your harvest. We reap our harvest in the same way that we acquire anything else. 
by faith. Our words of faith cut down the crops and bring in the harvest. In fact, our words are an important part of the entire process of sowing and reaping. What you say is what you sow, and the words you speak today will dictate tomorrow's harvest. So be sure that your words are calling in your harvest with faith. They are a powerful harvesting tool. Your words. That's your tool right there. The whole time you are in this process of reaping and sowing, you have to make sure that you apply the word of God. Number seven, you command your harvest to come. Behold, the hire or the harvest of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud, cries, and the cries of them which have reaped the harvest are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. That's from James 5 and 4. When your harvest is ready, it will cry out for its rightful owner. How do you command it to come in? Cry out to the Lord for your harvest. Now, the cry doesn't mean to whine and act pitiful. That's not what we're talking about. But I'm talking about a cry of faith. I'm talking about a proclamation. Proclaim and demand immediate action with aggressive force and passion. That's what I'm talking about. I ain't talking about whining and being pitiful. I mean, you say it aloud. Sometimes you have to speak to that enemy and tell him, in the name of Jesus, you're going to release my harvest. In the name of Jesus, you're going to release my children. In the name of Jesus, you're going to release my finances. And then you go gather up your crop. Remember, you got to be bold. Reaping and sowing ain't for the shaky. You got to be bold. So right now, in the name of Jesus, you need to say out loud. I'm calling in my money. I'm calling in my houses. I'm calling in my unsaved family members. I'm calling in my perfect health. Call in what it is that you want. I'm calling in my peace. I'm calling in my joy. I'm calling it all in in Jesus' name because I know that I've sown the appropriate seed and I'm ready to see my heart. We're talking about faith over facts today, people of God. Don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about what it feels like. But you keep your faith. Your faith is the substance. That's what's tangible. This has been Eve's Corner, and I pray that you all have been blessed on today by the Word of God. For those of you who are interested in knowing more about Campbell Ministries, you can always go to the website at www.campbellministries.com. Eve's Corner is not the only thing um, that's going on with Campbell Ministries, in addition to the broadcast on BBS. Eve's Corner <clears throat> is our bi-weekly show, but we have some other things. Amen. Like your big sister's closet. Uh, this ministry provides prom dresses for young ladies who otherwise would not be able to attend the prom. Over the year, we collect dresses and we clean them. We ask that people donate gently used um, dresses for young ladies who really uh, just can't afford to go uh, any other way. Camel Ministries also provide career readiness, career relevance, 
business etiquette and life skills seminars for churches and the community at large. So to get more information about scheduling these large group seminars, you can send your email proposal over to acampbell681 at ymail.com. And Campbell Ministries also has products for a donation of $12. You can obtain a one-ounce bottle of holy anointing oil that's been prayed for and blended according to scripture in the book of Exodus. In fact, some of you may know that anointing oil is kind of expensive, so you can get one for 12 2 for 20 or 3 for $30, and that will save you some money. Again, just go to CampbellMinistries.com and then click on the Donate button. Leave a note with your request for the oil and how many you need. Or you can also send your request by mail, and that is P.O. Box 16214, Jackson, Mississippi. If you're in the Jackson, Mississippi area, please stop by Charity Full Gospel Baptist Church. We're located at 234 West School Street in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Again, this has been Eve's Corner. Thank you so much for joining. God bless you and God keep you. Oh.